Most people don't know what's holding them back, but you do because you listen to me, Sam, your self-care guru and journal junkie. Welcome to Journal Entries, your safe place where you can tune in weekly to get tips, tricks, and journal prompts to uncover your feelings, gain clarity, and make your move. Today, we have a special guest joining us, Dr. Stephanie Lopez. Stephanie is a former NASA psychologist turned mindset, emotion, and communication coach for powerful women. She's the founder of The Brave Method and uses eye-opening self-discovery tools to guide high-achieving women in conquering their difficult thoughts and emotions so that they can feel happier, calmer, and more at ease. Welcome, Stephanie. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. As soon as we met virtually and I learned about what you do, I was like, I need to get her on my podcast. I think that was my first message to you, actually. (laughs) I think it might have been. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I just know that I can learn so much from you and like all of my listeners like need you in their lives. I just know. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. So I am excited because I would love to tap into something that you are really passionate about and something that you do, which is breaking generational cycles. Mm -hmm. And I don't know about anybody else, but that actually is popping up for me quite frequently on social media. And I think that it's a term that many people aren't aware of, or they don't necessarily like know what it means. So to start off, could you explain what what a generational cycle is. Yes. And I'm really glad that you're asking this because I realize that sometimes I just talk about things and assume people know, and they, <laughs> they might not. So in the simplest terms, generational cycles are negative patterns that are passed from one generation to the next. And why they are passed from one generation to the next is because they go unchecked, unnoticed, or not dealt with in some way. Maybe because people don't realize that there's another way to think or behave or feel, or maybe they've just accepted this is who I am. I do have a question for you. Okay. What is an example of a generational generational cycle? Like the first thing that comes to my mind is people pleasing, but is that a generational cycle? It absolutely can. So I'm just going to give a few examples, but, um, and it can go from like, you know, maybe perceived as not that big of a deal to like abuse. So Mm. this, this could be like a wide spectrum. The reason why I'm saying that is because I don't want people to just like gloss over Well, that's not me. I had a great childhood. Like, even if you had a great childhood, there are probably generational cycles to break. So Mm -hmm. for example, avoiding conflict, maybe in your family, there was a narrative of like, we don't talk about negative emotions achievement over everything else, Um, physical punishment, poor boundaries, suppressing your emotions, passive aggressiveness, physical violence, maybe I said that already, Um, using anything to numb your emotions, food, TV, Mm. shopping, work, drugs, et cetera. 
Um, if you are sitting here listening to it and you're like, I feel like I struggle to handle like big emotions or hard situations. And that like is true of somebody in your family, maybe a parent, um, and on and on and on. Those are just some, some examples. It's so funny. You started with the idea that people who grow up in like and had a good childhood also yeah. could have this yes. because that's been me. I'm like, I had a lovely childhood. It's like, yeah. I have no bad memories except like literally the first few things you said, like avoiding conflict, check, achievement, check, numbing emotions with food, check. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've that heard that. I, I've heard that like pushed back so many times. I'm like, I'm just going to start with it. <laughs> yeah. So how can somebody go about identifying what their cycle is, especially if they did have that good childhood and they haven't really tapped into anything yet? They haven't tapped into their emotions or how they were raised or how they handle situations today. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about like somebody who's like, perhaps kind of like totally. on autopilot. Uh, well, uh, yes. Uh, the world <laughs> yeah <laughs> is that mostly everyone no um <clears throat> yeah okay so in the very early stages it could be just innocently talking to someone and realizing like huh, everybody's experience isn't like this mm. or you might just have a sense that like you're not the way that you want to be. So I'll just use myself as an example. I felt like I'm like reflecting back on my early twenties. And I felt like I just do not know how to handle difficult situations. Like I just felt, and I didn't know these terms, but I felt dysregulated. I felt like so overwhelmed and stressed. And I would walk away from a conversation. I'm like, I don't even know why I'm angry. <laughs> you know, so it's like, pay attention to moments that don't feel good and don't feel right. And, and just, I mean, that would be like in the early, early stages of beginning to identify. So mm -hmm. why I say like talking to other people, if you're talking to other people, like my family didn't avoid conflict. Like, so I realized like, oh, okay, there's something here. This isn't just the way the world works. Mm-hmm. This is in my family. And do I like that? And so the initial reaction for somebody who avoids conflict might be like, yeah, I like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> but do you, because how much time energy are you wasting ruminating about it versus learning how to have a conversation, a healthy mm -hmm. conversation about something? Is this one of the things that once you start tapping into it and you realize certain cycles that you have and different things that happened when you grew up that shaped who you are, you keep finding things? I th I would say for many people, yes, if they allow themselves to, for sure, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So what are some steps for someone to start breaking free after they realize what it is that their cycle might be? Like, mm -hmm. how do you break that cycle? 
So really it starts with self-awareness, with deepening your self-awareness. And this is something that you can choose to do alone and you can spend a lot of time, energy, effort, years, all of this, or you can go fast and use a system that's proven. And most people will say, but Steph, I am self-aware and I believe you. I understand that you are aware of the way that you are responding to certain things. And what I want you to be aware of actually is why you are responding that way, because that that's where the magic is. That's where the change happens is when we understand the root cause shifts can become much easier. And then people that don't have like that had a great childhood, typically they're like, yeah, but I don't think there's a root cause. There's always <laughs> a root cause. <clears throat> yeah. So, yeah. And I'm not saying like, we have to identify this one moment that happened in your childhood at three years old that made you who you are today. No, to simply put it, we're going to uncover the insecurities that are driving negative patterns in your life. Because if you don't do that and you have children, you're going to pass it down to them because- mm you won't make any intentional change. That's really important. You said that like someone can be self-aware, but there's a difference between being aware of how you respond versus why you're responding in that way. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. The first thing that came to my mind was like a tough conversation whenever I need to have or need it, especially in my past relationship, whenever I wanted to, have a tough conversation and bring something up a I would get like a pit in my stomach and this would be mm -hmm. what I feel like is a common conversation that adults have but it was yeah. like important to me and so I'd get a pit in my stomach and like feel a lot of anxiety around it and then oftentimes I would just cry yeah and like I don't know why that is mm-hmm so mm -hmm. yeah, I, I can definitely, but like, I do feel aware. I would say that I'm a self-aware human being, but right. yeah, there is that distinction for sure. Yes. Yes. And that's what I've, I found to be really helpful and in the process of shifting is understanding that why, and just give, I want to just say, this is a little bit off topic, but related to that. Cause I think other people will, will feel the same way. Give yourself some grace there, Samantha, because what I have found, like 98% of people never learn how to have hard conversations, literally. So that is one of the main things that I teach people because I want you to know how, what, like the exact tools, like how do I frame up these hard conversations in a way that I can come to the conversation being, feeling confident being open in a way that I perhaps never thought I could be open before and non-defensive so that I'm not triggering mm. other people by what I'm saying. And um, so most people won't learn that. And that is one of my goals is to spread that to as many people as possible because we need to know this. And it's not only that, but it's doing the inner work because the pit in your stomach is because you're afraid. And you're mm -hmm. partially afraid because you have, you don't actually have the tools yet. And you're partially afraid perhaps because you haven't, um, practiced enough, you know, mm -hmm. and overcome the fear and proven to yourself, like, okay, I can, 
totally do this, handle this. I know exactly what I need to do. So Mm -hmm. I figured I would throw that out there for you. (laughs) No, you're Uh, right. Like nobody teaches that. I feel like more stuff like that should be taught in schools than some of the other things. I love that you said that because part of my vision is to implement at least some of what I'm doing in the school system, because I don't think it's okay that we don't learn these things. Mm -hmm. And then, and then we'll go out into the real world and people are like, oh, we learned how to communicate when we were five years old. No, you didn't. You literally (laughs) didn't. (laughs) But somebody said that to me at NASA before. And I was like, what are you talking about? Wow. I mean, I was thinking, I know of so many people that I went to college with that once you graduate, that's when a lot of people get diagnosed with like anxiety and depression. And I feel like a lot of it is that's the first time of being in the real world and like being on your own and not having a way to process how you're feeling and to understand how you grew up and, you know, everything that we've been talking about. So that's awesome. That would be so beneficial. Yes, absolutely. It is by far the most common thing I work with people on and organizations Mm -hmm. on is interpersonal communication. Um, And it's, I give you a super simple framework, but anyways, I think I'm getting a little off topic. (laughs) I mean, that's just the first thing that you said you help people with. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I think you asked me like, what are some steps? And these are not necessarily in a specific order, but, um, in addition to deepening your self-awareness, it's shifting how you cope with things. And we do that in three ways, by increasing your self-accountability, increasing your self-acceptance, and increasing your self-awareness. And all of that is baked into all of the work that I do with people. I'm just going to give an example, like self-accountability. I'm self-accountable in case anybody's having that thought. Have Mm -hmm. you ever said, she made me feel? not self-accountable or have you ever said, well, I don't have enough time, not self-accountable. Like every day. (laughs) (laughs) No one can make you feel anything. And we all have 24 hours. You choose how you use them. And that's with zero judgment. It's still your choice. And so when we increase our self-accountability, our self-awareness and our self-acceptance, what happens is people begin coping with everything better. They feel empowered rather than like, ah, this is just the way that I am. This is just the way that things are. Other things that we work on is basically giving yourself what you needed as a child. And so I have clients that are all across the spectrum in terms of like how much inner work they've done. Some have done a substantial amount and some not so much. So for some, like what I needed as a child is something they've thought about, but others not so much. And so I'll meet you where you are mm-hmm. to do that work. And if you've heard the term reparenting yourself, that's what it means. So for instance, oh. when um, you got really upset as a child, did you have a parent that sent you to your room and said, like, you can come out when you're ready to be nice? That is not what you needed as a child. Now, you are the only one who can give yourself what you needed in that moment. And why does giving yourself what you needed in that moment matter? Because you developed insecurities when your needs weren't met. Mm -hmm. And that is driving how you show up every single day. 
every single day, whether you're aware of it or not. And so, um, yeah, so that's part of the work that we do is identifying like, what was it that I needed so that you can give it to yourself? Yeah, that sounds really effective because I have, what did you call it? Inner, like child, child. Child. I haven't done too much of that, but I've done inner work to identify like limited, like core stories and like limiting beliefs that I had and replace them with new ones and whatnot. But there, and I know that I should give myself grace and it takes time to accept that belief. But I feel like with what you're saying, if you don't shift the initial story and insecurities and all of that, there's always going to be some level of like, there's a disconnect there. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that I do with clients is we go back, you know, we reflect on your lifeline, so to speak, and we go back and we basically change your interpretation of those moments that hit you really hard negatively. Those moments, meaning there are moments that we experience and they might be a pattern of things that happened in childhood. It might not be like this one moment, but you're like, I just felt this way uh, where you might've felt like you didn't matter. You didn't matter. You weren't important or you weren't competent, you know, Um, or even likable maybe. And so we re purpose, reimagine all of that so that that's not driving in your subconscious, Mm -hmm. how you're showing up today. Mm -hmm. It's fun stuff. I think And some people (laughs) are like, I don't know stuff. It doesn't sound fun. It's so fun (laughs) because so many other people, they will be like, it's hard. If I tell you it's going to be hard. Do you think it's going to be hard? Yep. 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 Yeah, no, it sounds fun and really liberating just the way that you're talking about it. Yes, liberating. Yeah. Absolutely. So some of this, I think I've a little bit talked about already, but um, for many setting and holding boundaries in different ways will be necessary. Um, I just find that a lot of my clients come from homes where there were not ideal boundaries or they felt like their boundaries were, you know, stepped over. So that's not necessarily everybody. Um really simply acknowledging your feelings is a super simple place to start with like breaking generational cycles, lots of self-compassion, which goes along with self-acceptance. What I found is that many women that come into my world, they think like if they are compassionate toward themselves, that they won't change, that they won't be able to make the the improvements that they want. And it's actually, and I used to fight against this. So I'm just going to be transparent. Like I did not buy into this in the beginning. I was like, no, I can't be self-compassionate because then I'll just stay exactly as I am right now. I have to be hard on myself. I have to push myself wrong. Couldn't Mm. be more wrong because just think about from an energy perspective, when you are beating yourself up, where's your energy on improving yourself or on beating yourself up? Oh yeah. So you want your energy to be on improvement so you can accept this is who I am in this moment and be compassionate about that and then make the changes that you want a lot easier. One more thing I think I want to mention is tapping more into your intuition so that you can show up authentically. 
what I found is that many women in my community, they will come and they will sometimes have comments like, I don't know what I want, or I, this is what I should do. And so we need to step away from whatever everyone else to told you to be, think, feel, do, throw it away mm -hmm. and come back to who you really are. And the more that you listen to your intuition, the more that you'll trust yourself, the more liberated, empowered, and free you will feel. I've shared this a couple of times, but I was in my therapy session once and she asked me, what do you need right now? And I literally did not know what to say. And like, I, there was a point where I didn't know what I needed, didn't know what I wanted. And I think that it was just like, what should I do? Like I've, I was so driven by what people told me when I was younger and like what people around me and like also what people like in my circle are doing, like, should I be doing that too? So yeah, that's important. Mm -hmm. Really, really important. And also difficult. Like when you never think in that way, for me, at least it was difficult because I never allowed myself to think that much about myself. Yeah. That's not an everyone thing. But for me, I was like, that's too selfish almost to think of what I need. Mm -hmm. That's what the world wants you to believe. Mm -hmm. best way I was raised too. Yeah. What I should do, what I should think, what I should feel. But then ultimately I was like, well, I am not happy. I am anxious all the time. I am <laughs> yelling when like there, this, it didn't call for like that much anger. And so maybe, hmm. maybe the world is wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I have two random hot seat questions for you and then we'll oh. wrap up okay <laughs> and they just popped into my head so the first one is how did you go how or why did you make that shift from working at nasa to doing this work it just seems like yeah. two completely separate yeah industries and lines of work yeah it's not as different or maybe that's just what i tell myself <laughs> as you would think so um at nasa my role was an organizational development consultant and coach. So I worked with leaders and teams to help them be uh, more effective, more satisfied, more cohesive, just ultimately like more effective or just performing better. So what I found is that what I was working with people on was this. Mm -hmm. I was coaching leaders to be more self-aware, more self-accountable, more self-accepting so that they could show up as the ideal leader that they wanted. And I was bringing many of those skills to teams as well. And so when I thought about my job as a whole, I loved working at NASA. This was my favorite part. And mm -hmm. it's also my favorite part because of things that I went through in childhood and my teens it's very personal too. And so mm -hmm. um, that le led me to follow my dreams and to leave. I love that. And now you get to do what you loved most full time. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So question, if you were to give a journal prompt for mm -hmm. someone that wanted to start breaking a general cycle and it can be anything, any part of what we've discussed, mm -hmm. what journal prompt would you give them? Mm. I'm just going to say the first one that popped in my head. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I pretend. Ooh. Mm -hmm. 
I like start that and there. just build off that. Yeah. Yeah. I have lots more thoughts, but start, we could start there. That's great. Thank okay. You. So if someone wants to work with you, do you mind sharing either anything that you've got going on or at the very least how they can find you? Sure. Best place to reach me is on Instagram at Dr. Stephanie Lopez, Dr. Stephanie Lopez. And I have a wide variety of things. If you just want to, you know, learn a little bit more about what I do, I have a free guide and um, also a free video going over the like three common mistakes that people are making that are keeping them stuck in anger and anxiety. And I share these from personal experience <laughs> <laughs> and client experiences as well. And then I have, you know, programs um, online, in-person retreats and one-on-one -on -one coaching that I'm happy to talk with anyone about. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Stephanie. I really appreciate you talking to my listeners. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's journal entry. I love connecting with my listeners. So make sure you screenshot this episode and tag me on Instagram at samantha.s.says so I know you're listening. And don't forget to grab your free training and journal prompts at www.samanthapenkoff.com forward slash podcast.